I pray that you would help them to understand their need, that they would be convinced and convicted of the need to turn to you for their salvation. And help us to encourage one another with this subject today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the subject of heaven, I want you to know that it is called paradise in the Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 23 and verse 43, Jesus is hanging on the cross and the thief next to him said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul, the apostle, said that he was caught up into what he called the third heaven. I think probably what that means is, is that the first heaven would be our atmosphere that we breathe right now. And the second heaven would probably be what we call outer space. But nobody, humanly speaking, has ever entered third heaven. Uh, And I think that is the heaven that the Bible speaks of. And Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven, a place he called paradise. And so it is paradise. I know maybe some vacation destinations will call themselves paradise or whatever it might be. But the paradise in the word of God is heaven. Then notice also with me in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. The Bible tells us a wonderful thing about heaven, and that is in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. There's no death there. What a wonderful place. A place where no one dies. Not only that, but there's no suffering there. It says in chapter 21 and verse 4 of Revelation, it says, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What an awesome, wonderful place. Are you starting to get jealous of Cassandra? I mean, we think that this is terrible that she passed away. No, this isn't terrible for her. It's just terrible for us. That's all might be terrible for her husband but it's not terrible for her it's paradise there's no death there's no suffering and if you look at chapter 22 it says in verse 5 and there shall be no night there why because there's no curse there's no more curse there's no night and there's no need for a candle neither light of the sun there's no darkness there's no cold There's no more curse. What a wonderful place. I'm glad I'm going. I have a reservation through Christ. I know I'm on my way. Because I've been born again, I know I'm going there. Then back in Philippians chapter number 1, where we started, Philippians again. Philippians chapter 1, Paul said this in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Most people would not say that because most people are not Christians. They're not saved and so For them to live is gain and to die is loss. But Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not. In other words, if I continue to live on this earth in the flesh, I'll just continue to bear fruit. Verse 23, for I am in a strait betwixt two. I'm kind of at a fork in the road. I'm kind of at a quandary having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Paul says, I'd rather go to heaven. I'm, I'm okay with it. In fact, I wish I could happen sooner. But if I remain, I will be fruitful as a Christian. However, the very end of verse 23, he says, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Heaven is a place that is far better than here. Heaven 
is a wonderful place. This morning, one of the young people said that the color yellow represents heaven because it represents gold. And the Bible tells us that the streets are paved with gold. I don't think that means that we need to go out there and chisel a little bit of the pavement off once in a while when we got to pay our debts. Rather, I think what it's saying is heaven's so beautiful, they pave their streets with gold. We don't pave our streets with super valuable stuff down here. And up there, apparently, gold isn't that impressive, so they use it for pavement. The idea here is that heaven is beautiful. It's far better than anything we could imagine. In fact, the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Heaven, it's a wonderful place. And if you'll just study and read the word of God, you'll find so many things about heaven that is the hope of the Christian. It's where we have to look forward to. And we have a song in our hymnal that says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And you know, I, I, I understand, humanly speaking, why people connive and lie and steal and cheat and war and, and what all. I understand why they do it, because this is the only life they've got. And so they've got to dominate and, and take dominion over this world as quick as they can and as much as they can, because the closest thing to heaven they'll ever see is right now on this earth. Isn't that sad? I mean, we live in such a crazy world that all of us are going nuts over a balloon floating around up in the sky. We live in a nutty place. This is a crazy place. And if this is the best heaven you'll ever see, I feel sorry for you. I mean, for real, I feel very sorry for you if this is the closest thing to heaven you'll ever get because this is the only life you'll ever know. But see, if you're born again, you have everlasting life. If you're not born again, from here it gets worse. It's hell. But if you have eternal life, it's heaven. And praise God, Cassandra received Jesus Christ as her Savior several years ago, sitting out there by that lampstand over there on this side of the, of the lobby there, of the foyer. She sat there, and with tears in her eyes, she prayed and asked Jesus to save her. And her life from that point on was eternal. So I want to look at some things today as we go to Philippians chapter 3 again. And starting with verse 20, for our conversation, our conversation, our, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, our is referring only to those of us who are born again. You see, the only way you can be a citizen of heaven, the only way you can have that citizenship there and that conversation there is by being what the Bible says is born again. John chapter 3 Jesus was talking to a Pharisee, a very religious person, but not a Christian. Jesus was, was talking with Nicodemus, and he says to him in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Is that how you get born again? You get re physically re No, no, no. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Some people will try to interpret that and say, see, that must be talking about baptism, born of water. No, baptism does not born again you at all. And verse number six clarifies what Jesus was saying there. He says, born of the flesh physically. 
everyone who was physically born, there was a water that broke. And so Jesus is simply saying, there's a physical birth, but then there needs to be a spiritual birth after that. That is the being born again. All of you have been born once. I know that for a fact. But maybe not all of you have been born again. That's the spiritual birth. And then he says, marvel not. Don't be amazed at this, that you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You say, I don't, well, I don't understand this born again. It's a spiritual thing. And he says, don't be amazed at this. Do you know that the wind blows? Of course you do. And yet you have never seen the wind. You just have seen what the wind can do. And that's the same thing with being born of the Spirit. I've never seen the Holy Spirit, but I have seen what the influence of the Holy Spirit can do. And the Holy Spirit, we sang about him today, the Comforter is come. And when you are saved, you know it <laughs> because the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you know that you have that new birth. And if you don't know, it's probably because you don't have the Holy Spirit. You understand? And so in order to be a part of this heavenly citizenship, our conversation is in heaven. You must be born again or born from above in the new Jerusalem. That is the first thing that you have to understand. Otherwise, it's not your conversation. It won't be your citizenship. Secondly, once we are born again, we belong to a different country. We are citizens, as I've said, of a different country. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone who lives in one country but really belongs to another country. Guess what? I'm an ambassador for Christ because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And what's the job of an ambassador? To represent very well your home. To impress the locals of your home. That's our job, is to represent our leader very well and to impress upon the foreign country we live in as to what we do back home. We Christians should be an example of what heaven should be like on earth. We should be an example of what heaven is by our lives and by our demeanor. And so I belong to a different country. This is a beautiful thing. And just about every week I read news and I think to myself, what a bunch of Fruit Loops. But I don't want to say that too loud because it's not very nice as an ambassador to call everybody Fruit Loops. So instead, hey, I'd be a Fruit Loop too if I didn't get saved. But because I'm saved, I'm not a Fruit Loop anymore. I'm thinking straight. I know this world's not all there is. There's a better one to come. Would you like to come along? Would you like to join up and be a citizen of heaven? That's what my job is. Ross is sitting here today in the back, and I got a really kick, real big kick out of his dad. Uh, his dad got saved. Ross got saved last April, and then he waited till uh, May, June to get baptized. And so he waited for his dad and mom to come out from Chicago. And so they came and, and uh, they watched Ross get baptized. Well, then the next week, I think it was, or the week after, George, Ross's dad, came back and, and he said, I need to be saved. So then two weeks after that, George got baptized. And they were here just a few weeks ago and now they're back home in Chicago. But this week, George called me and he said, Pastor, he said, listen, he said, I work for a realtor. 
and uh, uh, the, the realtor company, they have this convention going on, in, in they're part of a convention in uh, Las Vegas, and we're going to set up a booth, and uh, you know we're going to have our realtor stuff sitting there, and for people to walk by, and they see our realtor stuff, and they can talk to us about real, real estate. But he said, he said, I got permission from my boss to also set it up like a Titanic booth like we did last summer when we were when we had the bike biker booth going on and 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 and, and we hand out tracks that that had a titanic theme he said i got permission D- do you think that'd be okay w- do you think that'd be would that be appropriate if i handed out gospel literature at the remax booth i said well let me think on it george it's okay So I just talked to him again yesterday on the phone. He said, I'm going to give you the address and, and I'll have you ship it to a certain place and, 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 and any decorations you got and, and the tracks that you got. And you know what? George hadn't been saved a year, but he understands that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we're supposed to share the good news with our literature and with our mouth and to talk to people about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how they're going to know. Guess who doesn't want us to do that? Guess who doesn't want us to, they want us to hide it under a bushel. No, we have to let our light shine. That's our job. We're ambassadors for Christ. That's our conversation. See, we belong to a different country. I mean, literally, I don't know if George even realizes this, but literally he's going, yeah, you can buy real estate here or you can invest in eternity. Here, I'll show you something about what's going on down here, but would you like to know about up there? It's pretty cool. That's what we're to do, all of us. We're to share the gospel with one another. Think of different ways. Yesterday we were sitting on an airplane. My wife and I, we were flying back from a meeting that we were invited to and there was a young lady sitting next to Wilma and uh, she was nervous about flying by herself and and whatnot and and Wilma started to share the gospel with her and give her her testimony and say, you need to read this and understand this and and she went even farther and talked about how you need to know you're saved. If you're not saved, you, you won't go to heaven, you go to hell. It's a complete stranger. So what? It wasn't ugly. It wasn't unkind. Everywhere we go, we need to remember that our job really is about telling other people about our wonderful home. You see, the reason why we're having a funeral this week that's not terrible is because years ago, Cassandra stopped by our booth during the bike week, and it wasn't Titanic theme. That year, it was creation versus evolution. And Cassandra heard the gospel through that DVD that we gave out. Matt the gorilla, Matt Bruner, who's now in Puerto Rico, was dressed up like a gorilla and gave her a DVD. She was working with Ed, and she was working with Tom Urich, who's also in heaven. And Ed and Tom worked there at Flintstones with Cassandra. And Cassandra said, you know this whole prehistoric family stuff, you know, Flintstones? That's not really true. I got a DVD from a gorilla a while ago, and I learned that that's not true. There is no prehistoric. And Ed and Tom said, yeah, we know that gorilla. He goes to our church. And Cassandra said, really? What church is that? And they said, Mountain View Baptist Church. And Cassandra said, oh, I can't go there. Why? Because I'm Catholic. And thankfully, Tom and Ed said, oh, you can go to Mountain View Baptist Church. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. And I remember one day, I I didn't recognize her, but I remember one day Ed walked in with Cassandra right through those doors. First time I'd ever seen her. And she started coming to church and eventually she heard the gospel and eventually she received the gospel. And that's why we're having a celebration on Wednesday. 
because we know where she is. It's not a goodbye, it's a see you later. We know where she is. She's just home. Speaking of home, that's the third thing I wanted to mention. When you're saved, you are owners of a different home. John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that you may receive it. And so there is a mansion, a home waiting for me in heaven. Cassandra is now enjoying that home. I don't know what my home looks like, and I really don't care. I know what neighborhood it's in, and that's good enough for me. But I can tell you this, it's going to be beautiful. I don't know about you, but I opened up my tax assessment this week. It's getting more expensive to live here. The rent's getting higher. Up there, they don't have that. There's no sorrow in heaven, remember? So I know there are no IRS agents up there. Maybe some saved ones that quit when they get there. But you know what? Home. That's what the citizens of heaven has. They have home. They have a home. Maybe you don't even own. Maybe you've never owned your own home. Well, I got news for you. Those of us who do, we still have to pay rent. Our conversation, our ambassadorship is about heaven. Now, if you're not saved, you aren't ambassadoring. You aren't conversing. You're not looking for, in fact, this world is more, you'd be more interested in the Remax than that other stuff he's got at the booth. But if you're a Christian, you're pointed in a different direction, an eternal direction, and there's hope. So secondly, back there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, for our conversation is heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is Jesus If he wasn't there, there wouldn't be worth going. Jesus is the reason why we want to go to heaven. Because he's there and he's returning. See, our hope is number one in the fact that he is coming again. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our hope is his return. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10, waiting for the Son of God to return, waiting for him to come from heaven. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, it talks about how that he will return and what a comfort that is to us. Now again, First Thessalonians 4 verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever comfort one another so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. The return of Christ is what gives us hope. Now, the reason why the return of Christ is hopeful is because of his resurrection. See, there wouldn't have been any hope of his return if he didn't resurrect. See, the fact is, is that Jesus didn't die on the cross, but three days later he rose from the grave. And the fact that he went back to heaven alive in, and bodily, he just lifted off the earth and ascended back into heaven. That, and they said in Acts chapter 1, just as he went up, so he's coming back down. If he hadn't risen from the dead, there'd be no hope. And if he hadn't risen from the dead, why would we have hope? And why would we even be meeting today? So our hope is the fact that he's returning and that return is sure because he rose again. He's conquered death by the resurrection. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
1 Corinthians 15 is that resurrection chapter. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And that is so true. I mean, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, if he's not really God, then what in the world is Christianity supposed to be about? What a waste of time. Why do people go to church if they don't even believe that Jesus really is God? But verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The hope of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ gives us the hope that we have. This is why we have hope for Cassandra, because we know. And I told her the last time I talked to her, she was mumbling and she could hardly talk. I mean, the the tumor, I think, is taking over her brain. And, and yet she was very clear and she smiled so big. And we looked at one another. And I said to her, now you know that it could be the next time you wake up and and look open your eyes it won't be me or somebody else looking at you it'll be jesus when i said that that smile just went real big and she said yes man that's the hope that we have i was looking at a a very discouraging scene someone on their deathbed it's it's a very depressing and discouraging scene if you just start to dwell on it But the face showed a different scene. There's still hope because of the resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. As you know, I just celebrated my 50th birthday last week. Boy, am I getting old. I'm not as old as Mr. Spear. I am more mature, but I'm not. But I'm starting to creak and pop and groan when I walk. And things are starting to not be what they used to be. But I'll tell you what now, I don't mind if absent from the body happens this year. I'm not saying I'm suicidal, but I don't mind. Because absent from the body for me is present with the Lord. By the way, the Bible doesn't tell us there's some kind of purgatory or holding tank. And of course, Cassandra, being Catholic, we we talked about that. There is no penalty box or purgatory. It's absent from the body, present with the Lord. The body gets buried in the ground, but you will already be with the Lord by the time we do that. That's the hope of the resurrection. So back there in Philippians, again, we look at those verses I read earlier, just as a reminder, Philippians 1 where he said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 23, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. When we talk about heaven, the Bible tells us that are saved, those who are Christians, our conversation, our citizenship is there and our hope is there and he's coming back for us. And then thirdly, in chapter 3 of Philippians and verse 21. Not only is he returning, but this is amazing. I noticed something today. I noticed that Sandy was not with us because of the health problems she's having this week with her heart and her diabetes. 
I also noticed that Delmer's not with us yet. I know that he took a shot in the neck to try to take care of the pain. And if I was to tell Delmer, Delmer, if you pass away this year, you'll be in heaven. I know that would be a comfort. But I can tell you this. If Delmer had to go in his 91-year-old body with the pain, it wouldn't be quite such a nice thing. But you know what's awesome? We get a new life. Verse 21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. He's he's not only going to take us to heaven, which is enough. I mean, that's more than we deserve. To escape hell is more than we deserve. But on top of that, it's going to be a new glorified body. It's going to be awesome. It says there back in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, we shall be changed. I'm going to turn back there real quick and and show you this. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we might not all die before he returns, but we shall all be changed. Those of us who are born again believers, there is a new life and a new body waiting we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed different not before no tumor in the brain no cancer in the body no issues to deal with no no even heartache or or anything that is part of this vile body that we live in in the here and now that's what we have That's why it says in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, our new glorified body. And it says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, not only that, but we, as we've already alluded to, it says in 1 John chapter 3, Verse 1 and 2, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It's an amazing adoption that takes place when you're born again. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The world can't understand you. If you're saved and you talk about it all the time, the world, they just don't know what to think about you. We have these done books, and I encourage you to read it or a tract like it or to visit with me or anyone about salvation if you're not sure of your salvation. But the world doesn't understand why we're so excited about the next world. The world doesn't get it. I noticed that the Mathesons like to pick that song in the hymnal. What is it, 877? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I noticed that they enjoy that song, and I do too, and I appreciate them picking it. You know, we are going to be different, and the world doesn't understand that. A few, what was it, a month ago or so when Larry was in the hospital... The nurse came in, and and if you know anything about Jean, she's about as random as they come. And uh, anything will come out of her mouth, even before she's thinking it, it'll come out. And the nurse came in, young lady came in, and and Jean said, oh, hey. And she, she said, this is our pastor. By the way, are you saved? It went that fast. And that young, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody can. And we said, well, here, here's something for you to look at and to read and, and to think about and talk. Listen, we're, we, we need to tell people 
if we really believe that that's where we're going, we need to share it with people. They both said, that's why we're here. That must be why we're here, so we can talk to people about the Lord while we're here. Listen, we're going to be changed, and the world's not going to understand it. They might leave the hospital room going, boy, that's a nut, but you know what? No, that's not a nut. There's just something there. They're, uh, they're having physical issues, but they're still smiling. They're having struggles and physical calamities, but they're still excited about their life. They act like their life isn't ending soon, like they're on the downhill slope, but rather they're going to be around a long, long time. I wonder why they act like, I'll tell you why, because we're different. The world doesn't understand that. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. See, if you're saved, you're saved right now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, he's going to change this old vile body. And he's going to fashion it like unto his glorious body. And then back in Revelation where we were before, I just want to show you one more thing. Revelation chapter 21, again. But this time, let's read 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I still think America is a beautiful country. I still think the world's a beautiful place. But man has kind of done his thing on our country. And there's a lot that's not as beautiful as it used to be for various reasons. And I don't think the answer is environmentalists and hugging trees. I think the answer is to stop sinning, but we can't do that unless we get saved. And we can't have any way of curbing that. But you know what I'm loving about heaven? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Not the messed up one that we are in now. And by the way, it is messed up. In fact, mankind was so sinful that God flooded it at one point and destroyed much of it and created what we call bad lands today that really don't have a lot of purpose like they probably used to have. But one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. You know, so many people are fighting over old Jerusalem. I've been there, and boy, you talk about a place that's overrun with population and gaudiness, and it's not even like it was 2,000 years ago. But you know what? You can fight over that old one if you want to, but there's a new one coming. And verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new a new life I've never bought a new car I've bought a new to us car that had low miles I've never bought a brand new car I don't think it's always a good idea to buy a brand new vehicle nowadays because as soon as you drive it off the lot it's worth quite a bit less than what you just paid for it but even if I bought a brand new car it can only be new one day. 
And then from there on out, it's not new anymore. It gets to be older every day. I have noticed that newborn babes get a lot of attention. But as they grow up, they're not so cute and not so noticeable as they used to be. There's a lot of things that we experience in our world, in our lives that are new, but they're only new once. But God says, I'm going to make all things new. And you know what? Something, I don't think we can comprehend this. I don't think our brain can totally wrap itself around this idea here. But apparently heaven is new every day. Apparently all things are just new. And again, new. It never gets boring. Forget what you see on TV about sitting on a cloud and strumming a harp because you're so bored to death. I don't believe that for one minute. It's all new. It's all brand new. I make all things new. What an awesome place. What an amazing place. And the question is, are you going? Do you know for sure you're going to see our loved ones we've talked about today, that you're going to meet Jesus when he returns. Because if it's not heaven, you know it's hell. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed.